0: John, which category do you choose? I choose American literature for 200. The answer is, without his clothes, a man would be nothing at all. That the clothes do not merely make the man. The clothes are the man. That without them, he is a vacancy, a nobody, a nothing. There is no power without clothes. John? Who is Mark Twain? When he died this past November, Alex Trebek left behind millions of fans who adored him as the wonderful host of Jeopardy! for 37 years. He also left behind 14 suits, 58 shirts, 300 neckties, and other clothes that he wore when the cameras were not rolling. His son, Matthew Trebek, along with the producer of Jeopardy!, wondered what to do with this large wardrobe. Together, they decided to donate the clothes to a formerly homeless and incarcerated men looking for a fresh start. So it was Mr. Trubeck's Jeopardy wardrobe that arrived at the Doe Fund, a New York City nonprofit that provides services, housing, and job opportunities to men who have been in prison or homeless. The gift was in keeping with an appeal that Mr. Trebek had made on one of his final shows when he looked right into the camera and he asked viewers to give thanks for the blessings they have enjoyed in their lives, and he urged them to build a gentler, gentler, kinder society. The Doe Fund, founded in 1985, runs a variety of programs. Among them, one of them called Ready, Willing and Able, which has prepared more than 28,000 men for sobriety, a full-time job and a permanent home. The fund offers classes on parenting, anger management, drug treatment, et cetera. As John Powell, associate director for career development and graduate services, asked how do the graduates feel upon completion? He said, every time a man who has been in prison completes the program and gets a suit, and I quote, you see them visibly stand taller. It's a complete and total transformation. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. Our guest is John Powell, and today's episode is dedicated to the stories of transformation for thousands of Doe Fund graduates and how the close of a television rock star is contributing to the lives of many to make the world a kinder and gentler place. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Interesting when we broadcast A Climb to the Top, and this is our 61st episode, the backdrop is a little bit different. And to our listeners and viewers who see us on YouTube, I am coming from the Doe Fund offices or building in Harlem on Frederick Douglass Boulevard.
1: John, where are you coming from today? I'm at our criminal justice facility in Brooklyn on Porter Avenue. And what's behind you well behind me are some of the suits that our men upon completion of the program are able to receive. Tell
0: us, then, while we suspect Alex Trebek's clothes are probably somewhere in there. This isn't a story about Alex. This is a story about the lives of men who transform. But when we think about and you answered the Jeopardy quote, right, which is really the clothes make the man. Before we get into that, tell us about your organization and the mission.
1: Well, the mission statement for the Doe Fund, it's to break the cycle of homelessness and addiction and recidivism in New York. Uh, But it's it's a lot larger than that. The mission as important as it is and as necessary as it is, it's not necessarily unique. There are lots of organizations that endeavor to make an impact on formerly incarcerated individuals, formerly homeless individuals. What makes the Doe Fund different is we bring context to the idea of growth, context to the idea of of increase and improvement. So our gentlemen, uh, whether they were formerly incarcerated or formerly homeless, when they come into our program They get to meet our staff and learn a little bit about our services. But then within 30 days, they are put in a situation where they begin working. They have to wake up early in the morning. They have to check in with their supervisor. They need to come in uniform. And so that is the foundation for our relationship. So not only do our gentlemen have the opportunity to earn uh, money for the work that they do, but now there's a relationship created where we can discuss anger management. Anger management as a program is is kind of abstract, but how relevant is it? How necessary is it when you have a supervisor that may be getting on your nerves? Uh, When you're interacting with your coworkers or colleagues and uh, you're having a bad day, uh, how do we discuss professionalism without the the opportunity to explore what it means to be not quite as professional. And so the the idea of the Fund is that we create an environment where they have a a glimpse of what real life is, but it's coupled with the necessary support, uh, the necessary training to prepare them uh, to really help them to Maybe gain some of the ground they feel that they've lost after being incarcerated or formally uh, displaced.
0: Well, there's a couple names to the programs for anyone who goes to the DOE Fund site. There's a few things, and in the rule of three, and you see it all over New York City, you see this ready, willing, and able. And that's such a, a wonderful and accessible expression that you recognize when you see these wonderful people out there doing what they do with these blue t-shirts on, it hits you, like, who are these guys? But John, what really struck me, a program, very simply put, work works. That play on words, that is
1: foundational to this mission, is it not? Absolutely, Uh, when you do this kind of work, a lot of us, we have, we're built a certain way. We have a certain level of empathy and a desire to see people improve. Uh, but when you're interacting with someone, you're trying to help, the words that you use, the encouragement that you give can come across as disingenuous right. if there's nothing for them to apply it to. Right. Our gentlemen are working. Right. They're working. So they are, when I say you're doing a great job, I'm referencing something. When I say you've made progress, it's not just that you have we can look back and see that you've successfully cleaned Fifth Avenue, but you were also able to resolve that issue with your coworker. You were able to take some of the advice that we gave you in our career success strategies class and apply it to uh, making sure that you inform your supervisor when you're going to be late or when you're going to have an appointment that conflicts with your job. When we say work works, we need that work, we need that, that, uh, uh, that tangible, uh, accessible uh, piece of information, something that we can point to, something that we can measure. And that's why this program works. That's why this program is something where our gentlemen start from point A and we can uh, visibly see as they progress to point B and C. And we can also see when they start to move backwards and we can help correct and troubleshoot.
0: Yeah, so you're describing giving them the opportunity to take a different kind of journey with you as a partner in their success and prosperity. But John, how are our listeners and viewers understand the story of an archetype? Someone who has joined this program, take us through, take a individual. Where did they come from? What did they do that ultimately
1: led them to the Dauphin? So, I, it, it's funny that you would ask uh, this question because there's a, a gentleman uh, that I had worked with when I first started working here with the Dole Fund. Uh, and he, he stood out to me because he reminded me of a family member. He grew up in Harlem, uh, in, in New York City, and he got caught up in the heroin drug epidemic. So his uh, mother was a heroin addict. His father was not in the picture. And can we pin br-
0: name to this gentleman, even if it's to protect him, just some name so we can identify it in the story?
1: Mr. Sims. Okay, Mr. Sims. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate and so uh, Mr. Sims had brothers and sisters. He was a, a young guy, brothers and sisters, mother who was strung out on drugs. And so he started to sell heroin. And he sold it initially so that he would be able to bring food in and take care of his brothers and sisters. Uh, but like anything else, uh, he, it, it, he, he became enamored with the, the money and the, just the, the image that he was able to portray. And uh, very quickly, uh, he got into a situation where there was violence involved and uh, he was arrested. He was arrested for murder. He was convicted and he did, if I remember correctly, about 15 years in prison. Uh, so once he was initially released, he went back and forth to prison uh, quite a few times for different, different uh, issues and different concerns, namely not being able to find anything upon returning to the world as they say. Uh, and so the reason why Mr. Sims stands out is he was in one of my first career success strategies classes. This is a class that we provide for our gentlemen to really help them to learn how to develop a resume and interview and so forth. He went through the program, very humble, earnest um, uh, individual, and he was shell shocked. You know, he would often tell me, listen, when I was when I went away. There was no such thing as a, a metro card. You know, we still had tokens or cell phones were different. And I don't know if I'm going to learn, be able to learn how to use a computer. Just the 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 fear that, that uh, he lived with just being in this environment, it was something that I didn't really have any understanding of. Uh, but there's this one interaction that really had a a profound impact on me so uh, he'd gone through the program and every year the Fund has a graduation to celebrate our gentlemen who find employment and move out and Mr. Sims found employment and he was able to move out and he uh, was going to be participating in the graduation and so I'm in the back of the uh, area that we're going to be having the ceremony and he comes in and he has a really nice suit on he looked just like a uh, a Harlem, a Harlem guy, you know, had a really nice suit on. very yeah, nice shirt. Oh, yes. And he had his tie. His tie was, was, was open. And so he comes over to me and he says, uh, Mr. Powell, can you teach me how to tie a tie? And so I start to, you know, tie the tie for him. And he said, no, no, no. I'm asking you, can you teach me how to tie a tie? And so, you know, we took about 15 minutes and we went through it. And I'll never forget this. He said, uh, while other guys are teaching their grandkids how to tie do rags around their head for whatever gang they're claiming, I wanna be able to teach my grandson how to tie a tie. And I think that's the opportunity we have. We can come alongside someone share information with them, that will have an impact far greater than we could ever imagine. For me, I was just helping him to tie a tie for his graduation. For him, it meant being able to give his grandson something that he never received. Uh, these, These programs that we have, they're not just programs, they're opportunities to share and to build and to relate and we grow. That, that situation impacted me. This was my first graduation at the Fund, and I will never forget, I'll never forget his face. I'll never forget that moment. And it made me realize how much effort I should put into the work that I do every day, because it's significant even when I'm not aware of how significant it is. Uh, so this is a program that's not, it doesn't just uh, help the gentlemen who come into the program If you're working here, uh, working for the Fund, I don't know if it's possible for you to leave not having been changed.
0: Well, even what you're describing is a metaphor for something so much bigger. And I remember as a kid, my dad in front of a mirror with me teaching me how to tie. And I remember the, um, the, the sense of accomplishment of independence. That's what Mr. Sims must have felt because he didn't want you to tie it, Right. He wanted you to teach him to fish so he could fish for a day. That is such a, a wonderful story and such a small moment that represents something so much bigger. And John, before we, we switch to a different topic, tell our audience your responsibility and how long you have been with the dope Fund.
1: So I think I'm approaching six years with the okay. Uh I am the associate director for career development graduate services. Mm-hmm. I started off as a career developer uh, here at the Fund. and uh, I'm responsible for uh, overseeing the staff that provides the career success strategies classes, mm-hmm. uh, career coaching, um, career development, and we're also responsible for the graduate services piece which is very 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 important so you know our gentlemen come in from uh, having done time in prison or having been homeless and uh, they go through the ready willing enable program they engage with our department and they learn some hard skills how do you develop a resume let's put your resume together how do you sell yourself on an interview how do you sit how do you speak how do you present uh, where should your confidence come from? All of that, that, that wonderful stuff. And, <laughs> and like you said in the beginning, we see them transform. We see them begin to s- sit a little taller and, and, and they start to expect things to happen for themselves. Uh, but that's why they're here. That's right. why they Right. What happens when
0: out they go? Well, let, let, before we do that. Yes. John, what happens, whether it's in the graduation, and I'm going to go through the act, of putting something on. And when I look behind you, there's a whole lot of suits. Yes. You had made reference when we were prepping for this and you said it in the article that appeared in the New York Times that prompted me to get in touch with you. They put that
1: suit on. What happens? It's it's a transformation (laughs) every single time. It never fails. It never (laughs) fails. So. I mean, they, they wear a uniform to work, the blue uniform and- We see and that on the like streets of the city. All the time, right? You, they're, they're part of a, uh, a brotherhood, they're part of a team, and, and you know, that, that brings about a certain uh, amount of confidence. But when they put the suit on and they're tightening the tie and bringing it up to their you you see them transform. You see their shoulders go back. You see they stand taller. They breathe more deeply. Right. They speak more clearly. They, they're expecting uh, that someone is listening to them now, that y- you can see that they, they begin, throughout our time with them, we're talking about how much respect they are uh, deserving of because of making the choices to change your life and so forth, but it's difficult for them. When they put that suit on, they start to believe. When they look at themselves in the mirror and they have the suit and tie, they have, a copy of their resume, listing their accomplishments and the certifications they were able to acquire, and they're preparing for the interview, some of them for the first time, the, even the fear of, of uh, engaging with the interviewer is offset by this, this shield that they have around them, uh, this, this kind of protective covering that has been uh, given to them once they put that That blazer on. And like I said, it happens all the time.
0: You know, that's the presentation layer that the body speaks before the mouth opens. Yes. And as you know, in my book, A Climb to the Top, I devoted one chapter, there's 10 chapters, 10 commandments. One of them is solely devoted to body language. And unfortunately, while there are five categories of body language, four of them are negative. Mm -hmm. So that's only 20% of your body language is positive. But if you learn to control 80% of that, that's when the armor comes on, and that's what you're describing. What a wonderful thing. How then, I know that Matt Trebek owns a couple restaurants in, in Harlem. How did the connection come that any of these graduates will have the opportunity to wear Alex Trebek? Were, were, were the Trebeks in your life, or did this come from an unexpected
1: place. So uh, yes, um, Matt Trebek owns a few restaurants and the Dough Fund, we have a number of sectors uh, that we focus on, one being our culinary sector. Mm-hmm. And our culinary sector is of some note. Uh, and we do have a fundraising event called Dishes by Dough, where uh, our culinary team made up of our gentlemen, our trainees who are going through the chef and training program, they prepare the meals and all of the foods, all of the dishes that are uh, presented at that Dishes by Dough event. And I know that um, Mr. Trebek actually worked along with the Dough Fund for some of these Dishes by Dough events. So he's very well aware of our program and what we do and, and the men that we serve.
0: That's fantastic. And how do you decide who wears an Alex Trebek or any suit? How is that apportioned
1: to the graduates? So in order for you to uh, be able to come to one of our offices and to pick up a suit, you have to have uh, completed your career success strategies class mm-hmm. and or be uh, signed up for an interview, a real interview. So some of our gentlemen, uh, they have a, a job interview coming up and they'll, they'll come and say, listen, I have a job interview coming up on Wednesday and I don't have a suit. I don't have a jacket or what have you. And then we'll go and we'll take care of them.
0: And then if culinary, I wanna get back to the interview in just a second. If -hmm. culinary is one of the categories, what are some of the other categories that they could receive this kind of development?
1: So we we are focusing a lot more on skilled trade uh, moving forward. So we do have a construction sector that we're focusing on. Uh, We do have warehousing, uh, but within the warehousing, Uh, we're looking for people to be able to drive a forklift and, and so forth. We have uh, the uh, pest control sector that we're working with, which is uh, potentially very, very lucrative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we have, we're, we're in the process of, of looking into welding and carpentry. Uh, Mm -hmm. So those are some of the, the uh, areas that our men can uh, really excel, acquire a, Hard skill and certification right. that will help them just about anywhere they would go.
0: Well, what you're articulating though is training for craftsmen, you know, the very task-oriented, skill-based professions that you're you're always an apprentice. You know, the, the humble. You know, you talk to the great ones. I think Ernest Hemingway said about writing. They asked, you know, what it is about writing, and he said, well, we are all apprentices in a craft that none of us will ever master. And right. he brought that humility with him. And when I see these graduates and I've seen the success stories on the website, that seemed to me they were learning to be craftsmen in a world where formerly, it's not, it's not where they came from, right. but they go through the looking glass here and then they come out. And who better than to go into an interview with this wonderful suit where the yes. clothes indeed does make the man. Let's take a Mr. Sims. Is it? conceivable if he were to prepare and he were to put on the suit and he had a job interview what is the kind of development that you have that gets an interview
1: ready so the helping the the our trainees to get interview ready uh, it's about building a relationship so there are plenty of of you can go on YouTube and and see thousands and thousands of videos on how to prepare for an interview.
0: Yep.
1: But confidence, uh, going from being told that you can't, or you won't, or you never will, you can't watch a video and then fake that, that confidence. It has to be built from the inside. And so, yes, we do have uh, practical training uh, program that we put our gentlemen through we we have a mock interview where we give feedback and so forth but the real magic happens in the context of our relationship in being able to identify uh, so for example we'll have someone in class who may on the first uh, during the first class they may answer a question in a way that is crass or they may tell an off-color joke or something like that, right. right? And then we will address it after class. By the middle of the, the, the uh, program or by the end of the program, when this individual is answering questions and addressing the class and participating and he's professional and he's appropriate, that's something that we, we don't let that go unnoticed. We right. make sure that we reference that. Those are the things that allow our gentlemen to recognize that what I learned to practice in terms of having a, a successful or effective interview, I can actually do because I have been shown that I was able to make changes in real life and in real time. And so I'm not understating how necessary it is for us to be able to help them to understand posture and and body language and uh, uh, the way they would phrase questions and telling stories and so forth and painting a picture rather than just giving one word answers. All of that's necessary, but it doesn't change or impact the execution until you've uh, allowed the relationship to be built where the individual that you're pouring into believes that they're capable of doing what they're being taught to do.
0: Well, the important part, John, is you are covering such a critical and sometimes neglected component of development called mindset development, because it's one thing to prepare one with the tools, to go into a kitchen and to chop tomatoes. Okay, let's just, I don't want to say anybody can do it, but that's a skill you can teach. But what you're sending these gentlemen off is the mindset that they are more than that. They are a craftsman that, 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 they are not just the old adage of a bricklayer. Hey, what are you doing? I'm laying bricks. Well, to the other guy, when asked the same question, I'm building a cathedral. That's a very different mindset, yet one could argue it's the same skill Right. That to me is the dough fund. Do I have that right? You're absolutely correct. Right, and that's lovely because in this world that is often skill obsessed, I don't minimize the importance of teaching skills. But if you go with the skill and you don't bring the mindset, you're only bringing half of yourself. Right, right. So you got mindset, skill set, and then the layer. That's a beautiful combination.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Wow. <laughs> the Doe Fund, how can people help?
1: Well, of course, uh, they can always donate. And not just... Uh, in terms of money or suits, uh, but also uh, resources. So a lot of our gentlemen are—they're uh, not in possession of maybe tablets or smartphones. Which now that's what you—you're you're definitely going to. Need. You're going to walk out
0: the door. You're going to need to be armed with a phone of some kind
1: or something. Yes. Yeah. And like I said, you know, all relevant donations are are, are necessary and helpful. But if, if I'm being honest, uh, and look, I, again, I don't want to minimize how important it is to have laptops and cell phones and so forth. But people, the best thing uh, people can give to the fund is to uh, assess themselves and recognize areas where they need to be dissatisfied. Hmm. How do we see the individuals coming through the program? There's a, a tagline for the Fund: a hand up, not a handout.
0: Mr. Sims had to learn how to put his hand up, not ask for a hand out. But it sounds yes. like just the metaphor of teach me to tie the tie. He wasn't asking for a handout. He was asking for a hand up.
1: That's right. That's beautiful. Right. So that he could then teach his grandson. Well, he pays it forward. That's right. It's a contagion. That's right. and. Often, often people will look at the, the men coming through the program and, and even potential employers. Oh, let me just, you know, open up my doors and, and give them a job. They're doing such great work at the Doe Fund. Let's just hire some of the guys. That doesn't help anyone. right? Hire our gentlemen because they're qualified. And if they're not qualified, don't hire them. <laughs> Keep working with them to qualify. Michael exactly. Jordan stepped on that court because he was qualified to, to go to the NBA. It wasn't handed to him. Exactly. So they need a fair shake. I don't think they should be penalized for something that they, they paid their debt to society to, to cover. You know, that, and that's a whole- uh, a whole. That's yes, another show. That's right? <laughs> but, right, but in terms of how we see them and how we treat them, interview them, assess them, hold them up to a certain standard. When they get the job, expect excellence, give them the opportunity for growth, just like you would anyone else. And it, again, it starts with how you think. You, sometimes we're not even aware that we are uh, almost offensive in our approach to helping people. And our men, they don't want that. They, they want to work and earn the money that uh, they should from the work that they're doing. Well, you're
0: describing the mindset of bringing a high performance expectation, but also you are teaching them to hold themselves accountable for that
1: performance expectation, right? It's not just showing up. you got to do better than that. Exactly. Because when that opportunity where the boss just gave you the job because of the Doe Fund's mission, when that opportunity is gone, then where are you going to go? Right. What are you going to do?
0: And, and does the Doe Fund for all of the graduates, are you with them along the way? Or do they tend to, you know, they go live their lives and you may not develop them
1: any further. How does that work? So that's what the graduate services department is tasked with. And we are, uh, it's, it's a work in progress. Uh, maintaining a relationship with someone who's quote unquote graduated can be challenging. Yeah. At times that they, they look back with fond memories yeah uh, but i don't want to look back there right i remember that time yeah you, you want to keep so, looking ahead Keep building yes. your craft so we have to be strategic in the opportunities we provide for them to re-engage or stay connected so that it is still the doe fund but it's a different phase and it feels like a different phase and we're interacting with them more as uh colleagues co-workers um, uh, partners. Uh, and that is our approach during the initial training, but it can be more uh, readily um, realized in the second phase of their engagement with us. And so we try to provide uh, meaningful, relevant points of contact. We have a, an earning supplement program, where uh, for the first uh, six months, we provide a sum of money, for our uh, gentlemen who move out and, and find employment. Now, initially it was called a grant, but no, it's not a grant. You, you, you're not deserving of a grant. This is an earning supplement. You're working, you're moving forward, you have new responsibilities. And so we're going to partner with you to figure out how to meet those responsibilities as you initially move out. And then we'll figure out how to budget so that you'll no longer lead that earning supplement. So, so those are the kinds of things that we do and we want to be able to extend those services, but we also want to make sure that there are services that our men feel uh, comfortable and uh, confident and accessing. Uh, so, so that's really uh, how we stick with them and how we stay with them throughout the journey. And we have gentlemen who, uh, who, who stay connected with us years and years and years uh, after they've graduated. Uh, so, it, it you know, everyone is different, but we as a program, we're constantly evolving to make sure that we have appropriate and meaningful opportunities to engage with our guys.
0: Well, when you're t- talking about the money, it's a lot like respect. It's never granted. It always has to be earned. And it sounds like the self-respect is earned themselves. They develop it within themselves, in their hearts and in their minds, and you are equipping them with mind, heart, and also intuition. I have to believe these are the three models by which we decide things. I have to believe their intuition improves as they get better and more, con- more confident about their craft. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. And John, to our viewers, where do we find the Doe Fund and you?
1: Okay. Well, for the Doe Fund, it's www.doe.org got it www.doe.org and uh you can find John Powell at jpowell@doe.org uh the the doe fund is you know we're, we're located uh, we have two sites in Brooklyn and one site in Manhattan um, but w- the the doe fund's mission is much broader and so we are potentially a part of a much larger family. So for all of the listeners, uh, you know, connect with the Fund, go onto the website, send me an email. That, all of those things are wonderful. But impact your environment. Talk to the people in your family. Build awareness of some of the uh, obstacles that people who are formerly incarcerated or formerly homeless are dealing with. Be a part of creating a new understanding of how we should engage and how we can support. Uh, and, and that way, the DOE funds mission will go far beyond even the facilities that we're currently working out of.
0: Yeah, and John, thank you so much. It's it's been a pleasure to our listeners. As stated earlier, I am coming from the Manhattan office, and you see behind me a picture of the program Ready, Willing, and Able, which is a beautiful sign that hits you when you walk onto the facility. John is coming from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where behind him are many of the suits and presumably, perhaps even Alex Trebek's that are meant to help the gentlemen of the Fund to help themselves. Because what we know is the Fund does wonderful work in developing the mindset and the skill set. But what we have learned going back to the days of the Romans and the Greeks they pose the question Is it the clothes that make the man? Well, what John has asserted is that's part of it. But the clothes is the armor that behind that or sitting inside that armor is a mindset, a skill set, and a heart to go out every day and make a difference in the world and then to pay it forward to the others. So, John, you chose earlier the category of American literature for $200. The answer was Mark Twain, but the paraphrase here is that a man with his clothes is a man who is ready to go out and to do his craft. And I point to the Doe Fund as an organization who supports that wonderful concept. So, John, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm Chuck Garcia. You have listened to or have viewed a climb to the top stories of transformation You can find me, as always, on chuckgarcia.com. Coming from Harlem and coming from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, John Powell and I are signing off and thanking you always for your time and your attention. I encourage you to go to the Doe Fund website. Anything that you can do to contribute to this wonderful mission is appreciated. Good night.